I'd like you to take your Bibles tonight, find a book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7 tonight. Find that place, if you will, in your Bible. And we'll see what God has for us tonight and uh, what we can learn from the Scriptures. Chapter 7, Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. What are you doing back there? I was curious what you're doing back there. All right, Ecclesiastes. Found that place? Say amen. All right. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of the mourning, and the heart of the fools in the house of mirth. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear a man hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad, and a gift destroyeth the heart. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. We're thankful we can be in church. Thank you for the songs that were sung and, and the talents that have been displayed. We ask tonight, Lord, that your spirit will speak to our heart through your word. These are profound statements being made by Solomon. Help us understand the wisdom that you're trying to imply to us, that we may learn it and use it in our days. Bless now our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, Solomon tonight here as he's giving us wisdom as a man looks at life. And again, Solomon is going through this pursuit, looking at life. What is the purpose to life? What meaning is there in life, especially if we have no God? What joy, what meaning is there in our life, we're born and we die, and, and, and really everything in the middle is, just, is a waste of time if there is no God. Now, Solomon here, he, he's a king, and he's, he's taking a look at life, and in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and 8, he discusses the importance of wisdom in life. And wisdom is found 14 times in these two chapters. So the man who asked for wisdom when he first became king is helping us to understand the importance of wisdom. He answered the question in, in chapter 6, in verse number 12, Solomon makes this statement. He says, uh, For who knoweth what is good for man in his life all the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow? Who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? The preacher here concluded that the wisdom can't explain all of life's mysteries. It can at least make some positive contributions to our lives. Now he says, 
in verses 1 through 10, it's the idea that wisdom makes our life better. All of us should seek to have wisdom. That's why we go to school. We go to school to get wisdom so that we can be productive later on in our life. I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, reality clicked into my head one day. I realized, man, I'm a 16 years old and two more years, it's, it's the real deal. Playtime is over. And the first 18 years are really playtime for the most part. But in those first 18 years, you better get a lot of wisdom and learn as much because it's going to prepare you for what's going to happen to you afterwards as you go out and face the real world. We need wisdom. Now, what he's saying here in verses 1 through 4 is the idea, and, and it, let's study this out and see what he's saying before you dismiss it. The psalm is saying that sorrow is better than laughter. All of us like laughter. We want a good laugh. We want and, and we enjoy a good time. So what is Solomon saying in this, in this text? Again, if, if, if given a choice, we'd all rather go to a party where there's happiness and joy, a birthday party, a celebration of something happy, than we would to go to a funeral. Funerals are my least favorite thing to do as a pastor. I enjoy weddings. I enjoy a thousand other things. But funerals are can be sad occasions for people and, and dealing with the heartaches that people go through. Especially if the person in the casket's lost, that's always a very difficult funeral to conduct. So why is Solomon saying this? Because sorrow can do more good for the heart than laughter can. The word heart is used four times in these verses. And Solomon was not a morose or he wasn't a gloomy person. He wasn't this down in the mouth, always depressed and everything's bad, sorrowful type of person. After all, Solomon wrote some things about laughter, and the Bible does say some things about laughter. Look what else Solomon wrote. Look at Proverbs chapter number 15. And again, we're trying to put all this together just to get the, the idea. In Proverbs chapter number 15, verse number 13, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Now, my friend, that's a truth. You know, we all, you see somebody laughing and having a good time, and uh, you see the smiles on their faces, and, and then we see them with a broken heart, and we see how their countenance is down and, and the sadness that's upon them. He says in verse number 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Then we jump over to chapter 17. He says in verse number 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So again, what is Solomon saying here? Laughter can be like a medicine that heals the broken heart, but sorrow can be like nourishing food that strengthens the inner person, chapter number 7 as we go back to Ecclesiastes. It's understanding that in life there's a balance in everything in life. Life must have balance. There's, there's times, there's a, and, he, and Solomon already talked about it, there's a time for laughter and a time for mourning. There's a time for all those things. We all can't be laughing all day long. And as we'll see in just a second, there, there's no wisdom in laughter, but there is wisdom that is learned during our times of sorrow. And that's where we grow. We mature during those difficult hours of our life. So let's begin with Solomon's statement where he says in verse number one that uh, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. That's uh, at 
face value, surface value, that's kind of a dark statement. You know, the day you die is better than the day you were born. I'm like, what? What, what, are you, what are you saying here? Is we all should just drop dead? Now, again, we, we just can't take that statement and leave it there by itself. It must be used with the rest of the chapter and what he's trying to teach us here. But he opens that with that statement to get our attention, to get us to pay attention to what is coming next. Then we'll listen to the wisdom he's trying to give to us in our life here. Solomon was not contrasting birth and death, nor was he suggesting that it's better to die than to be born. Because you can't die unless you've been born. We all have to have that birth date that we look upon. He was contrasting two significant days in the human experience. The day a person receives his or her name, the day that that name shows up in the obituary column. The life lived between those two events will determine whether the name you leave behind is a, a good name or a bad name. I want you to think something for a minute. We don't think about this too often, and maybe it's never even crossed your mind, but there was a day when a mother and father and that wife gave birth to their son, and they held that little baby in their arms, and they were so excited to have this tiny little bundle of joy, and, 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 uh, and they looked at each other, and, and Mr. and Mrs. Hitler said, let's, let's call him Adolf. And they were happy about the birth of their child. We don't think about that kid growing up. If you think about him as a kid, we always think of some, some angry little kid with a funny haircut and a mustache at 10 years old. But that's not how he was. Who knows what he was like as a child. But there was a day that kid was born. And then there was a day he died. The day he was born, there was rejoicing. The day he died, there was worldwide rejoicing. And everything he did between those two points determined who he was and what the world thinks about him even to this day, along with so many other people that throughout history. You mention their name and a thought will come to your mind, good or bad. Everybody has that. And when we think about somebody who's already dead, we think about, well, what did they do in their life? And so Psalm is not saying it's better to die. He's saying that, you know, what you want is a good name. So that on the day of your death, people will think back upon you and think of the good things that you accomplished in your life and, and, and what you were able to do. There, I can think of my pastor, Christian Zitzo. He's born, he died. And I think about his life and what he did, the impact he had here in town for the cause of Christ during his time. His name, the day of his death, makes me think about his life and what he did. Then along with my other pastor, Harold Elting, who's also home with the Lord. The day he was born and the day he died. And the day he died, we think about that day and what he did in his life for the cause of Christ here in this town. And without him, there might not be me standing here today. We don't know who would be standing here, but hopefully God would have got somebody to, to do the, the work that he wanted them to do here in this place. So again, Solomon is not saying it's, you're, you're better dead. He's saying you, when you have to have a good name because the day is going to come when you're going to die. And when the world thinks about you or walks past your grave, they're going to be thinking about what you did in your lifetime and what you accomplished there in that life. We want to have a good reputation. And all of us have that day coming and all of us will have that marker with our name on it somewhere telling us that we're here. And, and by the way, all you really get in life is that, that, that stone 
that says, and we don't even get the day. Sometimes it's just years, you know, born in 46 and, and died in whatever. Just, that, that's all. And, and, and your life consists of that little dash. That's, that's your life, the dash. And it's up to the person who looks upon that stone who fills in the dash as they think upon you and what you did, what you accomplished. So life here, again, is in our reputation of what Psalm is talking about. Every man is going to have this. Every woman is going to have this. The Bible talks about in Proverbs, it talks about how the memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. And we can think of great people in our country and history that have blessed names. I mean, I'm a patriot. I love General Washington. I think George Washington, the, the greatest American that ever lived. Without Washington, there's no United States of America. The man was humble and brilliant and, and, and gave us our nation. And, all, and we have a state that bears his name. We got cities that bear his name. We have schools that bear his name. We have uh, children that bear his name. The name of Washington for an American should be a revered and great name. And we can think of other people. You know, if you've ever read the book, The Devil and Daniel Webster, it's, again, it's, it's not, it's, it's fiction. It's about a man who sells his soul to the devil. And, uh, and the devil comes to claim it, and, and a trial takes place, and Daniel Webster is his lawyer to defend him. And, uh, and, and Lucifer, or Mr. Scratch, puts a jury together of all the worst Americans to ever live and calls them out of hell to sit on the, in the jury box. It's a fascinating little book and worth reading. And, uh, and in that jury box is, is a man like Benedict Arnold and other notorious scoundrels in American history to sit in judgment upon the man whose name I forget, Jabez Stone, and, and what's going to happen to him. So you've got a great men, and you've got the name of men that, that their, their name is a rotten thing. Mary of Bethany anointed the Lord Jesus with expensive perfume, and the Bible says the fragrance of that perfume filled the house. And Jesus told her that her name would be honored throughout the world. And today we still speak of Mary of Bethany in a wonderful sense because the Lord promised her that because she did something wonderful. And there's a lot of people in Scripture God gave us their name because they, for one brief moment, did something wonderful and God has immortalized them in Scripture. And there's people in the Bible who did rotten things and God has also given us their names. And we think of them, we go, boo, Judas Iscariot, what a scoundrel. Mary of Bethany, what a wonderful woman. God bless her. I can't wait to meet her when I get to heaven. And what a blessing it'll be. Names mean things. Names give us thoughts of individuals. Again, when Judas was born, he was given the name Judah, which means praise. And it belonged to the, tri the tribe of Israel. So it's a good name, but by the time Judas died, it had turned out to be a, uh, from an honorable name to a something shameful. And so nobody really ever names their son Judas. No. Nobody names their son Benedict. Nobody names their son Adolf. They're rotten names. The, the, Delilah, who names their kid Delilah or Jezebel? They're bad names. 
but you give names of other people and other great men and women in the Bible. How many? We got our Sarahs here, and we got Hannahs, and we got Ruths, and we got all these great names, and, and Johns, and James, and Matthews, and, and, and all these names from Scripture because they're good names associated with good people. The day of their death is a day that we reflect upon the character of that person and what they did in their life. And the day is going to come for all of us because it's just life where we're all going to be there and somebody's going to, and they're going to stand up and they're going to say something about us while we're in that box. And sometimes I've been to some funerals and, and, and I really didn't know the person. I was just called there and they say, listen, this is my father. He, he really wasn't a good person. He was bad and... Uh, and uh, maybe you can say he was a hard worker, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's all you got. And so I'm left like, all right. And so I usually don't tell nobody. This is a trade secret. So when I, there's nothing good to say about anybody, I'll, I'll delve into history. You know, so-and-so was born. They've seen a lot in their lifetime. They, you know, they've seen 20 presidents, and they've seen a, a world war, and they, and, they, and they saw men on the moon, and they, they saw a lot in their life. They're a dirty, rotten, no-good bum. But, and so I try to... I, and so we go from that angle to try and say something we can about the person. Don't tell them that's a secret. That's a pastor's secret there. But that's, when I got nothing else to say, I'll delve into that stuff there that, that, to try to fluff it up a little bit and give the person sitting there who is grieving over their lost loved one, but they say, yeah, really not a whole lot to say. And then I get some people to give me a list. Here's, a, here's things to say about my mother. It's like, I got 30 pages here. I can't, we don't have time for that. But we'll do our best to say as much nice things as we can about mom and all that she was and all that she did. So again, the, the memory of the, of the just are blessed, but the name of the wicked, the Bible says, shall rot. And Mary of Bethany, all these people we see in Scripture. Now in verses 2 through 4 here, Solomon advises the people to look death in the face and to learn from it. He didn't say that we should be preoccupied with death because that could be abnormal. Some people are always preoccupied with it. You know, I guess there's a stage in life, you know, we see teenagers, they go through that, that goth period where they're all dressed in black and they're all, they look like they're, you know, it's like, they look like Morticia Adams. They're just, you know, just always, and, 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 and you're like, here we go. We had a, you know, and there's a lot of kids we have come through church like that. This is like, here they are. They're in that teenage period and they're like, how are you doing? And once they're a happy kid, yay, then they come to church and they're and they got this makeup on, looks like the Grim Reaper, and they're and it's like, well, they're in this goth period right now, and, or emo. They're emos. I had to learn. Somebody said they're emo. They're the what? This was years ago. They're, they're emo. What's what? What's an emo? Is that like a fish or something? What do you, what do you mean an emo? It means they're emotional. What? I said I don't see no emotion. All I see is, hey, good to see you. <laughs> Emos. You may have been an emo here. I forget what Sarah was. She was something. I forget what she was when she was a kid, but she was pulling something off there when she when she was younger as well. We all and so uh you're laughing, Abby, were you uh, you weren't you were never emo. No. Krista was emo. She's still emo. Now <laughs> right. and so you have that people doing that. And uh, this preoccupation with darkness and sadness and depression. You, know, you don't want to hang out there. It's not where you want to be. It's not a good place to listen to music that constantly 
brings you down and depresses you and watching TV shows and that constantly just sour you and make you... No. Solomon is not teaching us that here in these verses. That's not what Solomon is trying to get us to be preoccupied with. But he is letting us know the reality of death and, and the seriousness that, that there is coming a day that will come and, and men are going to reflect upon our name. And, and the psalmist says this, teach us to what? Number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. I only got so many of these, and so let me use them wisely. Years ago at work, I mean years ago, back in the 1980s, again, the, uh, a, a plumber's best friend is a rag. We always ask the customer, you have any rags? And, and, and a good rag is a t-shirt or an old towel. Sometimes people, here's an old curtain. No, I can't use a curtain. A curtain is a rotten rag. It's, it, does, it doesn't do any good. So you always like, a, 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 if somebody throws you a couple t-shirts, you're like, yes, this is a good rag. This will wipe my hands. This will soak up things. An old towel. Sometimes people threw me a pair of old underwear. It's like, no, I don't want your old underwear. I'm sorry. And, you, and you're like, I've had that. It's like, this belonged to my husband. It's like, yeah, okay, thanks. And, uh, but... Uh, you should have buried it with the old boy. I don't want it. It's just not, it doesn't make a good rag, all right? Just keeping it real here at Gospel Light. Sorry, Brianna. Now, but one time, you know, we had a, 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 a customer. She worked at a factory, and, and they sewed clothes, and, and they, the scraps they put in, and they threw out. She said, well, I'm going to take those, and she gave us these bags of old scrap rags, and and she put them in the big, giant, black, hefty bags. And my boss would take them. He'd throw them in the garage. And we'd have like 20, 30 black garbage bags filled with rags in there. And so it was like a free-for-all. Just wipe your hand one time, throw the rag away. And they're like, we got thousands. My brother goes, take it easy on the rags. Because someday they're going to, well, we won't have them anymore. There's plenty of rags. Just woo woo. <laughs> well, one day that lady stopped working at that place. And that pile, <laughs> we had no more black bags and we had no more rags and then we had to go back to scrounging off the customers I'd like some rags please and as you, as you ask for rags and then people give you like a piece of paper towel here you go it's like, thank you there Miss, uh, Miss Great Depression I'll thank you thank you for this, this piece of this will last me all day it's like what in the world but my boss was adamant about that. He goes, be careful. These rags are going to run out. And so use them wisely. So, I, so there I am, 23 years old, being be careful with rags. Well, my friend, our life, we got to teach us to number our days. I only get, and I don't know how many days I, I have. The only thing I know is how many I have had. And there's no knowledge of how many I have in front of me. There's none. There was a man who used to live down the street here. I won't go into too much detail, but his name was Charlie. And Charlie, I've known him my entire life. And, uh, and Charlie, I tried to help, as I, I grew, became pastor, I tried to help Charlie a lot. And Charlie came to me for help a lot, but Charlie had, had issues in his life. And then Charlie passed away. And the other day I was thinking about him, like, when, how old was Charlie when he passed away? And I don't think any of you know him. It's not the, any Charlie. You know, Charlie. Charlie passed away around 2001. 
And so I looked over, so Charlie died when he was 57. I'm thinking, 57, now I'm 60. And Charlie died at 57. And Charlie wasted his life, he really did. He just did a lot of things he shouldn't have done in his life. Again, I, I, I love the man, and, I, and Miss Naira probably knows who I'm referring to. And, and, uh, and I tried to help him the best I could. And he, he would come to church here sometimes crying, Matt, you've got to help me. Please, Matt, help me. And I think Charlie got saved before he passed away. And we're thankful for that. But again, Charlie's 57. Then you read about other people. They died. They were 55. This one was 49. My, my grandmother died when she was 49 of a tumor. And I was like, that's, that's, that's young. That's really, even when I was a kid, I thought she died at 49. That's young. Grandma died young. I never knew her, but she died very young. So again, I don't know how many we got, but I'm the, I am the teach myself to apply the days I have to wisdom, to learning in my life. Now what he's saying here, the preacher is not presenting us with an either-or situation. He's asking for balance. The word for Hebrew, for laughter in verse number 3, means the laughter of derision or scorn. Now, again, there's a, there's a place in life for healthy humor. There's nothing wrong with a, a good-hearted laugh and, and enjoying some good times. But he's warning us about frivolous laughter that can be found in the house of mirth, as he sees in verse number four. When people jest about death, for example, it's usually evidence that they're afraid of it and they're not prepared to meet it. They're running away from it. Now, what Solomon's trying to help us here, as I find my place again, I love the iPad when it just just disappears to an entire section, and I've got to search for it again. This is why I, I, I'll always love paper more than I'll love this crazy computer. So forgive me while I scroll here. I do have some important notes that I wrote down that I want to be an encouragement to you. One man wrote in a book called The, the Denial of Death, the idea of death, the fear of it, haunts the human animal like nothing else. It is mainspring of human activity, activity, activity designed largely to avoid the fatality of death, to overcome it by denying it in some way that it, it is final destiny of men. Now again, that's written by a man who doesn't know God, but in life we can joke about it, laugh about it, but are we prepared for it? Because again, a wise man will prepare for something he knows is inevitable, that, it will, that it's coming for us. So how do I prepare for death? Well, the only way you can really prepare for it is by knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's, the, that's what you can do. And then there's, there's wills and other things to be taken care of, but the inevitable is this is coming. I don't know when. I've had friends who passed away upon graduation of high school. And, and, and a couple years after high school, 18-year-old, 19-year-old boys died tragically because of sinful living and, 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 and frivolous and party lifestyles. Had a kid die in high school. A young boy hung himself off the Kearney Avenue Bridge. He was a punk rocker, always with the punk look and always with the, the, the punk rock music and all that death and miserable music and and they found him hanging off the bridge. The train came by and saw him. 
And you think of this poor kid, probably 17 years old, and took his life that night on that bridge. I knew him in school. I really didn't talk to him, didn't know him, but I was in class with him a couple of times, and I could see him on one side of the room, and there, he had the punk look and the whole thing. He's bringing his punk records in, and him and his friends are all discussing the punk rocker. And I had, I'm just another 15-year-old, just trying to get through my life and figure things out, and didn't know him, didn't have anything against him. I didn't, my friend was a punk rocker, and who also threw his life away. So again, death does happen. And Solomon is not telling us to be fixated upon it, to dwell upon it every day, and to give it our thoughts every single day, but it is something that is there. So again, in, in, in the idea of sorrow, verse number three, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness the countenance of the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools in the house of myrrh. And Solomon's letting us know that Again, life has balance, and our learning, our maturing, comes when we go through our sorrows. We don't like that. We wish it wasn't so, but we learn more in, in, in the valley. Things grow in the valley. We all want the mountaintop experiences, the joy. But my friend, nothing grows on top of the mountain. Everything grows in the valleys. And we walk through those valleys, those difficult times in life, and that's where we learn. That's where we get wisdom from. So that we can enjoy the laughter later on because of all the wisdom that we have learned to be a, an encouragement to somebody else. You know, Wiz, William went through his valley dealing with his leukemia, and he's come out on top of it. Now what is he doing? It was a very difficult time, very sad time, very hard time for him. But he kept his eyes on the Lord and always was faithful to God and kept reading his Bible during those dark hours when, when his health enabled him. There were days when he was so sick he couldn't do anything. But now he's come out on the other side and, 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 and he's encouraging somebody else who's in the valley. The wisdom he learned in the valley, he's applying to help somebody else who's in the valley. So again, Solomon's saying, you know, just be miserable all day long and be sad. It's better than laughing. No. <laughs> He's saying, he says, you, you, you learn a lot more during those darker hours than you do in the times where you're just having a good old belly laugh or, or being foolish and, 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 and just wasting your life away. So again, he's not against laughter. It's foolish laughter. It's, it's laughter of no value. It's, it's, it's just nonsense. And the Bible talks about foolish jesting. Again, God is not condemning laughter. God created laughter. God designed us with the ability to laugh and, and have a, a good time. But then there is times where we can just people are just foolish and silly, and, and they're just nothing at all in them. Verses 5 through 6, It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fool. This also is vanity. Solomon here, King Solomon, compared the praise of fools to that of burning thorns in a campfire. Now, my friend, you take a thorn bush, you cut up those branches, you throw them in the fire. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but when a thorn burns, it just it pops like a, like a piece of popcorn, but it doesn't produce anything. It's just a crackling sound. And Solomon's saying that that Cracking thorn, really, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce really any heat. It doesn't have any significance. It's just 
a noise in there. You can hear a lot of noise, but there's nothing really good coming from it. Again, Solomon is using words here to help us. He uses, in Hebrew, the word song uh, is the word shur. Pot is sir, and, and thorns is serum. These are interesting words, but again, he's playing on these words to get our attention to, is this, is this helpful to me? Is this going to be useful to me? If we allow a wise person to rebuke our lives, and, and somebody comes along who has wisdom, now listen, in my life, I've had wise people rebuke me. That's wrong, and you need to knock it off. I didn't like it. It rubbed against my sinful nature. But I knew this was coming from a smart person. And if I'm going to be smart, I should listen to them. Or should I take the advice of some idiot, like Psalm is referring to here in these verses, somebody comes along, a foolish person, and who sings my praises. You're so wonderful, you're so great, you're this, you're that, but, but you're a foolish person. You're, you're dumber than I am. Why should I even listen to you? But we like to hear the song of fools as they praise us because it makes us feel better. The rebuke of a wise person bothers us. How dare they say that to me? They don't know what they're talking about. I don't know, you ever watch those shows where the restaurant's falling apart and they call on the major chef to restore it? And you got this restaurant that nobody goes to except the cockroaches, even their jumping ship. And, uh, and, 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 and so the, 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 the genius comes in and says, this is what you got to do. Your food stinks and your, and your, and your everything else. And blah, blah, blah. He ain't going to tell me how to run my restaurant. I was like, what are you, a moron? Does anybody else think this? You watch it like, dude, you, 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 know, you, you have no customers. You have one homeless guy who hangs out in the corner, and, and, and you have nobody here. This guy has 20 restaurants. He's a multimillionaire, and you're throwing his wisdom out the window. The preacher comes along and says, listen. Let me help you with something. This is what God says. This is what the Bible says. And you're doing A, B, and C, and you're, all on, you're on a dead end. Preacher ain't going to tell me what to do. So you listen to your friend, and your friend says, yeah, you're doing right. Go ahead. You'll keep going. What does he know? It's as bad as Saul, Rehoboam listening to the wisdom of his friends instead of listening to the wisdom of those old men, which cost him his kingdom. If he had just listened. But instead he listened to the song of fools instead of the... Rebuke of the wise people. So rebuke is always better than praise. You don't learn anything while being praised. All you do is you puff up like a peacock. Yeah, I done good. I'm great. But somebody comes along and says, you know what? Let me help you out with something. I appreciate your effort, but... Then you're but what? Well, here's what you need to do to fix that. Here's what you need to make it better. And, it and sometimes people get mad when they get, you're going to tell me what to do. What's he know? What does he know? <laughs> Look at their life and see what their life is compared to what your life is. And 
maybe you can learn something from them. Now, again, I don't want to get too far into this. We've got a lot to say here. But we do want to learn from those who are trying to help us. And again, flattery may be a, a great thing. There's nothing wrong with praising somebody. And again, Solomon's not saying don't ever praise anybody. It's, it's, the choir did a great job. I praise the Lord. You did a wonderful job. That's, that's good praise. Nothing wrong with that. Well, maybe somebody in the choir was like this. And again, I, I've learned, I, I just, don't tell anybody this, but I'm a celebrity. Okay, I am. Back in the 2000 periods, I don't even know what we call that. You know, we don't even know what we call the 10s. We don't know what the 20s and the 30s are, but I don't know what the, we call the, the 10s. Or the what? Yachts. Back in the old yachts. See, we're learning here tonight. Sounds like we went British here or something. Also, back in the old yachts, we were drinking some tea and having some crumpets. But back in the yachts, I, I did a TV show. W M Matthew M B C, little station in Caldwell, and they called me up and they said, "Would you want to come and preach for us?" I said, "Yeah, I'll come preach." And they, I said, well, "Just a little ten-minute message." And so I'd go up there and I'd do a ten-minute message and. The guy liked me, and he said, would you be interested in doing like an interview? What do you mean an interview? Like, sit down and, and interview some people. I said, who? Oh, you can bring your own people in. I said, that sounds cool. And so we sat there in this little TV station and, and uh, sat there, and, and, and I, I learned a lot in the, in the few episodes that I did there. And he taught me how to sit. He goes, now, this is going to be very uncomfortable, but it will look good on camera. This is how you're going to sit. Because if you sit the way you're sitting right now on camera, you'll look horrible. And you'll want to do this. And you'll want to position yourself this way. And you'll want to act this way. And so he, I learned all these little things of what you do that'll make you look good on camera. And so, I don't know, there's no place you can really find these things, but the station's still on there, somewhere around channel 22 on Verizon. You can find WNBC. It's mostly Korean programming. And so they threw me in there with the, this little English program, and so there I am. Hi, I'm Matt Swikowski. Welcome to WNBC. Today we're here with the program, and I got so-and-so here today. And, and I, I learned all these little tricks on how to sit in front of the camera. And he would tell me, and now, after the show, he said, you did great, but now here's what you got to do. Again, this makes you look good on the camera. And he, again, how you position yourself, how you sit. You, you may feel like you're an idiot and, and feel like you look like Quasimodo, but when you see it on camera, you look you're like, oh, yeah. That does look better, as opposed to the way I was sitting, where I did end up looking like Quasimodo, for those of you who know who that is. <laughs> so, the bells. And so you want to... So somebody comes along and says, hey, you, you sung great. Now, I'm not rebuking anybody here tonight, but I'm just using this as an example. You sung great, but you're up there, and you were like this, and your shoulders and your head was down, and, and it, it makes the whole choir look bad. So if you just stood this and did this and... and, and you may feel foolish, but to the eye, it looks, it looks good. And it makes what you're singing sound better. Then you God never moved without purpose. You may come out sounding like Pavarotti, but you look like death. <laughs> and nobody, and everybody's like, yeah, good song. 
Again, I'm not rebuking anybody here tonight, but I've, I've seen choirs, I've seen people, and, and I usually watch, and from my TV experience, I usually watch, and, and I've seen what they do on major networks, it's the same thing I learned, and, and you can see choirs sometimes, and, 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 and even how you hold the microphone. You know, some people hold the microphone like it's, like it's an, and like they're, if you hold it like this, with just a few fingers, it comes out looking more professional. It may feel foolish, but it, it looks like you're Joe Biden sucking on an ice cream cone. You want to you wanna hold it just and it, it comes across better. I've learned that from watching other people and, and observing what professionals had to say. I've listened to the rebuke from the wise. That's wisdom right there. Let's, let's use that. Again, I'm not rebuking anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just, these are the thoughts that come into my head tonight. And even preachers. I learned as a preacher how you stand, what you do, and, and, and what you do with your hands. I learned this in speech class when I in college, what you do with your hands. I stand for, Let's take our Bibles tonight and we're going <laughs> to... I can sound like Spurgeon up here, but again, I look like uh, Festus from Gunsmoke. All right, we're going to take our Bibles here tonight and we're going to... Let me loosen my tie up here. They look like some borachon, amen? You don't want to look like that. You want to have something that comes across looking better. It's instructions. It's wisdom. So you always want to be careful of things like that and presenting yourself. And there's a thousand things in life that we learn that somebody may correct us. Hey, great job. Can I help you with something, though? And if they're a wise person, you'll say, yeah, what... What did I do wrong and what can I improve on? Then the person says, you know what? You look like a drunk, but you did great. It's just wonderful. It's just wonderful. It's like, thanks. <laughs> I saw, you ever see pictures of yourself? You're like, oof. I should have I stood better, but instead I'm... You thought you looked good, but, but instead... That's one of those pictures you delete. <laughs> No one's ever going to see this one, ever. This is gone. So again, Solomon, again, in, the, in this few verses we learned tonight, and, and the wisdom Solomon is giving to us in our life and how we apply these things. And our life, my friend, is really about getting wisdom and filling in that dash, making sure that dash, when the day comes that we do go, people look back upon our name and they reflect on the the good that was accomplished in our life and the blessings we were. Let's stand together. Father, bless now this time and this hour. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name.